Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, I'm going to talk through AFC NFL draft needs for a few teams and one doozy as the Baltimore Ravens signed Odell Beckham. We're going to talk about what that might mean for their first round selection. I also want to talk a little bit about what is absolutely in the middle of the zeitgeist, and that is the defining spirit and mood of sports. And yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with Denver, but everything to do with Colorado. I'll explain more. But first, let's talk about, hey, my goodness. Cliff Kingsbury, now senior offensive analyst at USC, joining the staff created by Lincoln Riley. This is both news and, you know, a nice note for you to know, right? Like this is the part of the newspaper where I would go, oh, the notes column. This is where I would like to see this information because Cliff Kingsbury is obviously a name. And the reason that we're talking about this is not just because he's a name, but because he and Lincoln Riley are both off of the Mike Leach coaching tree. And we tend to think of Cliff Kingsbury as being pretty outstanding, not just as an offensive play caller, but as a developer of quarterbacks. Because you'll know that with Kingsbury joining the staff, that is both Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes, who were put into the NFL by one of these guys. What this might mean for Caleb Williams, I'm not sure, because an analyst job, at least right now, until the AFCA gets this pushed through, is one in which you can't coach on the field. So he's going to watch a lot of film and maybe go through some film with Caleb Williams. And I think that when you're talking about developing a quarterback who's a Heisman winner, who's probably going to be the number one pick in the 2024 draft, the more heads, the better, right? I really enjoy that this is also a great place for Cliff Kingsbury to begin his journey back, which is, you know, not unlike what we have seen at other well-to-do programs. It's like Alabama, who has turned that analyst job into a rehabilitation center that has sent... Guys like Lane Kiffin into coaching jobs and ends up at Ole Miss. Mike Loxley at Maryland. I can keep going down the line on that one. And I think Cliff Kingsbury is there. I think it's also worth mentioning, Oklahoma fans will understand this, but USC fans, you're getting new to this. This is uh, another way in which we can talk about, is Lincoln Riley going to be headed to the NFL at one point or another? And is this a natural succession plan? Anything is possible, but as I'm the dude with the microphone and I talk into this microphone, one of the things that, you know, I tried to say is I usually play the numbers on this thing. I usually play the floor and not the ceiling, even though I have some how garnered reputation for hot takes really quite reasoned in all of this. And my reasoning is I think Lincoln Riley really wants to win a national championship before he takes any such trip to the NFL. That said, anything is possible, right? Anything can happen and usually does. But if you do know that Cliff Kingsbury is on that staff, Yeah, you feel much better about what USC's future might look like if Clint Kingsbury decides to, I don't know, leave USC in November on a Sunday like he did at Oklahoma. It's just worth mentioning. Outside of that, I think that USC is still going to be USC, and we're still really going to look at the spring just to see what they got. 
maybe get a good look at Miller Moss and Malachi Nelson. And maybe we get to see Cliff Kingsbury in his uh, trademark sunglasses and maybe running shirtless like he used to in 2012 when he was offensive coordinator at Texas A&M and would really set the Twitters on fire. All right. Next bit of news that I think we need to get to is Ohio State picked up a 2024 quarterback commitment, and it is a doozy. Prentice, Air Nolan III, committed to the Ohio State University last weekend. He is the number eight quarterback in the 2024 class, number 84 overall player. If we're going to talk about this from the standpoint of Dylan Rayola, yeah, okay, cool. He's not Dylan Rayola. Nobody else is. That's the number one overall recruit in the entire country in 2024. And yet, at one point, Rayola was committed to Ohio State. He reopened his commitment, and now you could think maybe Nebraska, maybe USC, maybe Georgia are in the ring for him. But there was still a need that needed to be filled by Ohio State, and I think they did an outstanding job of pivoting to the man whose nickname is Air. Now, Aaron Nolan was really, really good last year, guys, as a junior. At Langston Hughes in Georgia, where it is tough to play high school football, he went 15-0, passed for over 4,000 yards with 55 touchdowns and just four interceptions. Those 55 touchdowns were all through the air, by the way. And he completed 73% of his passes. They went 15-0, won a state title against Gainesville, which for those of y'all that are unfamiliar, Gainesville, it's really good, right? And it's not to say that the other teams that Aaron Nolan was passing against weren't, but Gainesville is Gainesville. Okay, Gainesville, I believe, is also where um, Cleveland Browns quarterback and, well, Clemson Hall of Famer Deshaun Watson played his high school football. Uh, if um, And Cartersville is where Trevor Lawrence went. You get what I'm going here. So you do a good job getting a quarterback out of Georgia. Cam Newton came out of high school in Georgia. I'd also add that the target that was most capable for Aaron Nolan in 2022 is a tight end. His name is Jelani Thurman. Jelani Thurman is all of six foot six, about 235. His mama is a two-time WNBA champ. And he played at Langston Hughes, and he's already going to be there, which is another way of me saying, wow, Brian Hartline and Ryan Day went ahead and recruited the tandem. So while I still believe it's going to be Kyle McCord throwing passes to Marvin Harrison Jr., you're taking advantage of team chemistry and player chemistry that has been developing for nearly half a decade. You have an opportunity to do that again when it is Aaron Nolan's time to compete for the starting quarterback job at Ohio State and knowing that Jelani Thurman might be the third best tight end on the depth chart as a true freshman. Who knows what he might look like when it's time for Aaron Nolan to compete for the job at Ohio State. And frankly, I'm looking forward to that because 2024 and beyond is going to be outstanding for the Big Ten. Very excited about this because you'll know that Michigan added a five-star in 2024 quarterback Jaden Davis just two weeks ago. So now we're looking at Jaden Davis, Aaron Nolan, Nick Evers, Hudson Card, who's got three years of eligibility, including this year. Uh, Jeff Sims, maybe, but, you know, Dylan Rayola is still thinking about Nebraska. What if he's there? Cade McNamara has a couple of years left. I mean, I keep going down the line on this. Drew Allar at Penn State. It's going to be fun to watch quarterback play in the Big Ten. And while quarterback play has never been bad in the Big Ten, it certainly hasn't been the best. And this is really putting it in a position where it could have the best crop of quarterbacks in the sport as a conference. I'm giving that right now to the Pac-12 because I look at the Pac-12 and I think that it's loaded, which is something they haven't been able to say in quite a long time too. 
I'm excited to see what a guy like Aaron Nolan can do in Brian Hartline and Ryan Day's offense, especially with his ability to move around and flip the ball and it goes 70 yards. As a matter of fact, his head coach at Langston Hughes was a former Middle Tennessee quarterback, Andrico Hines, had said his accuracy is his superpower. He can put the ball where he wants to go. As a matter of fact, the quote that he gave the athletic that I love, he throws every ball. He can throw with touch and pace. He made throws this year like, damn, he's dead accurate. Sounds like a winner. Sounds like a guy named C.J. Stroud who might be the first pick in the draft this year. And what a job. Ohio State has done in bringing in yet another top-line recruit. Yes, I would be remiss if I did not raise the issue of name, image, and likeness, and wow, this is a marketing win. Yes, the man's nickname is Air. It's a nickname that was given to him by his daddy that was given to his daddy because in high school, Prentice Nolan II wore Air Jordans, played great high school basketball, and apparently played like Michael Jordan. So his nickname was Air. Okay, cool. Right on. Uh, jump man, come through. Hand this man uh, either your sneakers or LeBron's going to get to him first. Either way, I'm excited to see what he can do. All right, let's go from that outstanding recruiting win to what I think is very much in the zeitgeist right now, and that's Colorado football, guys. Colorado football, let me get at this. So the headline here is that one you know. Colorado has sold out its spring game on April 22nd at Folsom Field. Now, you know that because you're a college football fan and you listen to this show. And this show is very much pro Coach Prime in Colorado. But the reason I thought it was significant, one of the reasons I wanted to add it to the rundown today, is because I read this story in the Associated Press. Now, I went not necessarily to journalism school because my master's is in professional writing, which basically means that if it is writing, I can do it from technical writing, which are like your instruction manuals to screenplays, to novels, to nonfiction books. That's what I went to grad school to do. But a part of that is also being a journalist, right? Is being a reporter, learning how to do that job, which makes me, you know, something like valuable. I can talk into a microphone and I can write very, very well. You might think of me as a great utility player on a good 40 man roster, all that to say, when the Associated Press chooses to write about something, it is because it is of significance and importance to this nation, okay? There's lots of things for which we already referenced the AP. AP style is a term that you've probably heard. That is the way in which we do our style guides for how we give you news that is written down. It comes from them. So to know that the Associated Press thought it was worthwhile to write not just a story about Colorado football, but about a Colorado football spring game underscores just kind of what kind of impact Deion Sanders has had at Colorado. And as people want to continue to remind me, he ain't coached a game yet. I'm like, okay, uh, sure. I mean, I get it. Colorado was 1-11 last year. I also get that you didn't watch a lot of Jackson State. And I also get that you don't think that HBCU football is as good as what Colorado would have to be to merit your attention. But apparently that's not true. Because the AP is not interested in covering stories that aren't very much attention, right? That's where we go. I'd also add in here that it is going to be their best attended spring game since 2008 when they had 17,800 people attend that spring game. In 2007, they happened to beat uh, number three ranked Oklahoma and Nebraska in the same year. And it will be their best attended, well, 
Colorado football anything since October 5th, 2019, when Colorado sold out its game against Arizona. A very close 35-30 win for Arizona, where my favorite part of that is Khalil Tate getting on his knees, kissing the grass at Folsom and saying, I love it here. Colorado's a spectacular and special place to me. Uh, Khalil Tate also went like 31 to 41 for 404 with five TDs through the air. That was that was his coming out. Also, right around that time, we didn't know that LSU was LSU until they played Alabama in November. But, you know, Texas had us thinking maybe LSU might not be that good. We were wrong. Auburn had us thinking maybe LSU wouldn't be that good. We were wrong. I thought Khalil Tate was going to be a Heisman favorite. And he kind of was. But this game really did put him into the national consciousness, which is another way of saying that's how big a deal this spring game is in Colorado. One more thing to underscore that score that for you. The Colorado spring game is going to take place in a couple of weeks, April 22nd. The Denver Nuggets are the number one seed in the West. People are going to go see Colorado football on a day when the Denver Nuggets could have a home game as the best Denver Nuggets team anybody's ever seen. I choose to believe that is not a bunch of Colorado fans awakening from their slumber. That is a lot of people that are very interested in seeing Coach Prime on a sideline, Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean on the numbers, and Shador Sanders throwing passes, along with one guy like Charles Kelly, who is National Recruiter of the Year at Alabama, calling plays defensively. It's going to be fun. All right, let's go from that to some draft needs for the NFL in the AFC, the fun league. Or at least that's what it was, you know, when it was a standalone league. Somebody's going to get that joke because, you know, 1970 merger and whatnot. But I'm going to start with some AFC teams that, uh, frankly, are the ones that are most popular uh, that we talk about on Fox Sports. And I'm going to start, you know, with who's got the better pick and move down. So we're going to start all the way down at number 22 overall, and that would be the Baltimore Ravens. I was already going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens because I was asked to participate in a mock draft at Fox Sports last week and go check it out on the website. And I was picking for the AFC North, which means that I needed to pay attention to what Baltimore was or was not doing. And I, putting on my GM hat, choose to operate as if Lamar Jackson is going to be my starting quarterback in 2023. I'm also going to operate like I have to get him more help if we're going to be good in 2023. And the thing that stuck out to me about the Baltimore Ravens is not that Mark Andrews is your best pass catcher. Tight end can be your best pass catcher. It's fine. Take a look at Travis Kelsey and the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. But you got to have a generational quarterback back there like Patrick Mahomes. And you got to have dudes that can produce. So at wide receiver, I should say. The way I get at that is Baltimore's most productive receiver last year was Demarcus Robinson who caught 48 passes for just 458 yards total. That was their leading receiver. Now that you got Todd Munkin putting in a new offense, yeah, that's going to change. But you also need, you know, other guys that can run in that offense that can make it go. So I decided that they should draft Jordan Addison out of USC because he still was on the board at the time. And he was the best available wide receiver. And I know that they have taken wide receivers in the first round in the past, but they ain't panned out, so you got to keep shooting. Shooters take shots, right? Shooters shoot. And Jordan Addison has shown that he can be not just prolific, but that he can carry the load. I mean, that was a 100-catch, 1,500-yard guy at Pittsburgh. 
And then, you know, he went to a uh, program in USC where they had dudes like him that you could throw the ball to, right? So he didn't get as many opportunities to make plays. And yet when he did get those opportunities to make plays, he made them. Now, what has made this an even sexier pick for me is that the Ravens recently signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a ridiculously cool contract for him, which is going to pay him about $15 million in guaranteed money or $4 million more per year than any other receiver on the open market. I love Odell. The last time I saw him play football was the last time you saw him play football, and that was on a blown ACL, and he ain't played football in a year. So I got to believe two things on that. One, the Baltimore Ravens offered him more money than anybody else was ready to offer him, and or he knows that Lamar Jackson is coming back. If Lamar Jackson did the Devin White, who at the time we're recording this also requested a trade, perhaps getting an Odell Beckham Jr. off of an ACL tear is not the reason that you're going to come back walking through that door, as much as we love Odell Beckham Jr. However, I do like that they went to go address an absolute need, no matter who the quarterback is, and getting a wide receiver that you think can be good for you. And I still think you should go draft a wide receiver in the first round like Jordan Addison because... Rashad Bateman and Devin DuVernay were not enough to cut it for you. Hollywood Brown was a dude you could trade. I keep going on the list, and I don't want to keep doing that because I think we're all missing the point when I do that. Uh, James Prochet being another. But if you get the wide receivers that can help him, I think you also have a better chance of keeping him. However, you might think something different. And if you want to go get a quarterback where Anthony Richardson is still there, sure, maybe you can put him in a trade uh, for Lamar Jackson when he goes. But right now, I still think that Jordan Addison is still the guy for you to go get. All right, next on the list for us are the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, number 31 overall. That is the second to last pick in the draft. And the Chiefs are in a really cool spot here, which is not necessarily uh, the best spot for you know NFL draft selection show because you want to talk about the teams that have absolute needs. The needs for the Kansas City Chiefs are we'd like to have it, right? They were able to take Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round because yeah, I just thought we'd like to have it. So I looked at what the Chiefs need or what we all think of as positions of need. And I say right tackle, wide receiver, and edge. Okay, I think they got the right tackle situation more or less sorted out. You can get a wide receiver if that's what you want, but those dudes are down in Fort Worth, Texas, working out with Patrick Mahomes. And I choose to believe good things about that, along with some, some very cool Mal, uh, let me see, Valdez Scantling, uh, scuttlebutt going around. That dude might actually turn out to be an absolute dude in 2023. However, I think that the pick here is Ohio State edge Zach Harrison. That's the freakiest edge that we're just not talking enough about. Like, I get that he did not live up to the five star billing that he had when he signed with Ohio State, but he's still six foot six. He's still 260 pounds and he still ran a sub four, five, 40 yard dash. And he's got hangers. He's got absolute hangers for arms. Like I ride a motorcycle, that dude's a chopper. All right. He's going to get his hands up in front of people. He's going to get his hands on people. He's going to bring people to the ground. I think you can afford to go get that dude and put him on the edge and see what happens because he can be that good. If you are in a position where you can bet on a guy with a higher ceiling than, say, uh, a higher floor, I think that's the move, right? As opposed to a guy like Will McDonald, who I love, but we're talking about the NFL in which I think that he's a linebacker. 
and not necessarily an edge guy. Like I put Will McDonald in a tweener category in a three, four, whereas Zach Harrison can do all of those things. And I think he gives you a lot more versatility and you would not be wrong to spend a first round pick on him. Okay. Next on the list for me are the Cincinnati Bengals who are selecting number 28 overall. And uh, I looked at their depth chart and I looked at what they had done. And I noticed that Irv Smith and just one other tight end have caught passes at the tight end position for the Cincinnati Bengals, right? You, you need somebody else at the, in the middle of the field to catch passes, not named Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. Michael Mayer is going to be there. Michael Mayer is good, sound money. He's not necessarily the upside of Darnell Washington, but I would tell you that Darnell Washington wasn't even the best tight end on his team. That was Brock Bowers. And Michael Mayer was the leading receiver for Notre Dame last year, a team that frankly did not want to throw the ball much unless they're throwing it to him. Like it's, it's like that. I mean, people want to call him baby Gronk and I, I get that nobody's going to be Gronk, but when you talk about a dude that is reliable, dependable, and I think could be another Mike Andrews style of tight end where he could be prolific for you and really help Joe get rid of the football because you know how much Joe likes to hold on to the football you go get a guy like Michael Mayer, 65 catches, 800 yards, a consensus All-American, a local kid, as people want to say, having gone to Notre Dame and South Bend. I think that's a good selection for them at 28. And then uh, also in the first round, number 27 overall, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills, who need a tailback. And, and, and I, I'm shocked by this because I wasn't really paying attention to Buffalo because I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm really in on the NFC most of the time. But Buffalo has not had a 1,000-yard rusher at tailback or 1,000-yard rusher, period, since Josh Allen entered the league. And I found that wild, but I went to go check. And Devin Singletary has led them in rushing each of the last four years, and his best output was 870 in a year. And by the way, in 2019, Josh Allen was the leading rusher for the Buffalo Bills. I get that that dude can sling it. I get that people bounce off that dude. And I get that Stefan Diggs is a walking first down, but you got to be able to run the football and, and you got to be able to expect the dude seven and a half yards deep to be able to make somebody miss. That said, B. John Robinson's still there. You go get him. I don't think he's going to be there because I already mocked him to the Eagles and then I mocked him to the Cowboys. I have a hard time seeing him fall to the Buffalo Bills. But if that's the case and B. John has gone to the Eagles or Dallas or someone else before the 27th overall pick, I think that Jameer Gibbs is a great guy to go get there. Jameer Gibbs, who led the Alabama Crimson Tide in both rushing and receiving. And I think that that is important. A dude that can be a three-down back for you. A guy that people actually have to acknowledge if you split him out. A dude that you can trust to run between the tackles. And took full advantage of one year at Alabama after basically dying on the vine at Georgia Tech with all of this ability. And also... Pointedly, a dude that can make somebody miss in the second level and maybe hit a home run for you. Really love me some Jameer Gibbs, and I think he would fit well for Buffalo, who if they get a thousand-yard rusher, maybe that's the difference between being really good and winning the Super Bowl. All right, uh, number 17 overall. My goodness, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are in a, in a moment, because I believe that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season as the head coach, and James Harden has made the postseason 14 consecutive years just kind of cool down there at Pittsburgh, but they had a needed linebacker because they could lose a couple of their guys. And I think that getting a guy like Jack Campbell on a rookie deal, a dude that understands what it means to play the kind of hard nose 
hard hat football defensively that Pittsburgh wants to play and was frankly, I think the most valuable player at Iowa last year on a defense that has been the second best in the country for two consecutive years. I mean, he notched 115 total tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, three pass breakups, two picks and a forced fumble last year. He had a pick six in there too. I mean, won the buckets award for the nation's best linebacker. And I thought was the dude that made that defense go. I'd also add in here just quickly, Riley Moss, who's outstanding safety at Iowa, is going to try to enter the NFL as a cornerback. We haven't seen a white quarterback in the NFL since 2018 when Troy Apke, and before that, hadn't seen a starter since Jason Seahorn's been like 20 years. I think Riley can do it. I hope that he gets a chance to prove it. But uh, Jack Campbell just feels like a great fit for Pittsburgh and what they want to be and how they would like to grow, natural leader for them. And if Riley Moss is able to join him second, third, fourth round at corner, all's the better. All right, a little bit of business we take care of. We're going to go back to two shows a week, beginning next week with the start of the USFL season this weekend. Yours truly will be down in Birmingham to see how the Birmingham Stallions open up the season after winning the inaugural USFL championship. And I'll also be there on Sunday to watch the New Orleans Breakers play against the Pittsburgh Maulers. For those of you that don't know, the Stallions will feature Scooby Wright, Bo Scarborough, Thad Moss, among others. The Breakers will feature Akil Glass, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who was pretty damn good in the CFL last year. And they're going to return two of their better linebackers in Vontae Diggs and Gerard Fernandez. That was fun to watch last year, along with former Big 12, all Big 12 player Greg Eisworth. And then the guy that I'm most paying attention to for the Pittsburgh Marlins playing linebacker, Ruben Foster. So you got Alabama, LSU, and my goodness, Jay Sternberger is going to be playing some tight end at Birmingham. It ought to be a lot of fun. So we'll talk about that, do some power rankings next week, have some interviews with some players, and see how year two of USFL treats us all. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Kyle Holly. It's nice to see Gabe Gross-Sable back in the booth. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. Our lead and screening are Jack Coakley and Torin Westfall. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all twice next week. Doses.